welcome to Big Business Briefs with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And this week we're starting the podcast looking at visa cards, uh, particularly uh, the report that was uh, sort of around the end of last year, wasn't it, that Amazon were going to stop taking visa credit cards from the 19th of January 2022. Um, as it happened, that didn't happen, <laughs> and uh, they, they are now in discussion with Visa. But we thought it was something uh, potentially to look at and see why Amazon had made that decision what in was the pe- first place. What was particularly interesting is that I hadn't heard about this, so I must have been living under a stone for the last couple of months of last year, and it was my mother who brought it to my attention. Oh, she consulted to the podcast, well, she, though. Well, yes, yeah. so she told me about it, and I was like, I've not heard of that, Mum. you sure it's not a scam? And, of course, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was all over the news. Like, you must have hidden under a rock, did you, in November? I just, yeah, I don't know how it's passed me by. But when she told me about it, I was like, well, that can't be true. Because if they stop doing that, I mean, that's just like alienating a huge proportion of their customers. Yeah, it's important to underline that they weren't going to not take Visa debit cards. No, it's it very credit cards. The credit yeah. cards. Yeah. Um, and I, I suppose one of the things that made me smile is that Amazon, you know, that huge global company, complaining about another company profiteering. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, of, because of the costs associated <laughs> with the transactions, yes. Yeah. yeah. But I think what's interesting is that um, that sort of got us focusing on and thinking about the, the massive change about how we pay for things it, since COVID, you know, over the last couple of years, this sort of cashless society um which is fine for those of us who've got a bank account and you know and if and if and if, and if we have got a bank account have got credit in it <laughs> rather than you know racked up huge yeah. debt um versus paying for things with cash and the costs associated with it and how you can actually pay people and so we we thought that we'd have a look and see what options are available to mm. us Apart from taking paying for things by Visa credit cards, yeah. And actually, can I mention a stat that's not specifically related to Visa? Although I think it perhaps underlines why Visa is keen to resolve the dispute with Amazon. I I read um, that uh, Mintel research company mm-hmm. um, published some research last year that showed that. of British consumers shop at Amazon. Crikey. 89%. That's massive, isn't it? Yeah, so you can sort of understand why Visa would see that as quite a serious situation and they're not just going to turn around and say to Amazon, all right, then off you go. Yeah. um, Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? That it's become, well, the fact that Amazon have got their own delivery vehicles out and about and that there's a you know a cardboard shortage. It's not least because Amazon, who insists on packaging the smallest thing in the biggest box a lot of the time, um, yeah, it's got such a massive market share. That's incredible. Wow, wow. Okay, so um, so from a business point of view, so from a consumer point of view, um, that you know that has the potential to to impact. But actually, as a business, what how expensive is it to process card transactions rather than cash tra- cash payments? Because 
with cash, you have physically got to get that cash to the bank. And you've yeah. got to pay. And banks do charge now to yeah. process yes. everything, actually. Yeah. Banks charge yeah. for everything. So it's striking a balance, isn't it? And you can't do cash payments for online transactions anyway, can you? No, it's not an option. It's yeah. not an option. But I found, it's like the other day, I went, I don't carry cash. And I just stopped off on the way home to, um, to pick up a pint of milk. Uh, and and I was like, oh, it's a pint of milk and something else. And it came to less than £2 or something. And they said, oh, it's the minimum transaction is £2. And I'm like, I've got £2. <laughs> and I stood there for a minute and then it was like, oh, I'll have to buy a bar of chocolate. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh-oh. <laughs> I could see where that was going. <laughs> If you'd have bought a bottle of wine as well, then you'd have been well over, wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't know why I didn't think of that. No. I wasn't there with <laughs> well, you. Well, I was driving, so I probably oh, wanted to enough. eat a bar of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know. so if if you're um, if you are a retailer and you're wanting to um, find a way to collect payments from your customers, there there something called A to A account to out account payments which is classed as sort of alternative payment option uh, and it seems quite obvious to me um it, it's where literally you pay from your account into the business's account but it is um it is a niche at the moment because it doesn't fit quite naturally with a lot of the systems that we've got but reading one article in finextra.com they were saying that it's going to come to a point where a to a payments become standard rather than alternative um because at one point internet banking and mobile banking were referred to as alternative and now mm. look at them it's just what mm. we do isn't it so um the the article in um finextra says that um it took 10 years to start returning uh, referring to internet banking and mobile banking as alternatives and they reckon that a to a payments will take half that time and in five years time they'll no longer be the alternative payment method just a form of digital payment I wonder how that will work in practice because if you are, um, you know, Johnny and he's a Saturday boy in a paper shop and somebody comes in and pays for something A to A, Johnny's going to need to have the technology in front of him to be able to evidence that the money's been received. Yeah, I'd, from reading an, another article um, that, that was referring to this, it basically said that the the tech isn't there yet to make it so that you can connect that payment with the actual transaction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's only a matter of time, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we have the the transactions now where you can pay by card, whereas, you know, some time ago people would have thought, well, how can we know that it was them that paid? Yes. How do we know we've got the money? Yeah. So it yes, gets there it, eventually. Yeah, there's the whole, yeah, there's the concept and then the technology's got to be a place to sort of catch up with the thinking. But the, the push behind looking at these alternative methods is that the cost of processing credit card transactions has, has rocketed um, and particularly are prompted by Brexit as well um, because now we're outside of EU and those price restrictions aren't there. 
but it, it just sort of makes sense as well if you consider open banking that you need open banking to make this work mm. open banking sort of getting there now isn't it mm. a lot more things yeah uh, are working through the open banking system so yeah eight to eight that's the thing to look out for okay account to account payments account to account. okay the, the next big thing i thinking about the cost of transactions for smaller businesses um I came across a site called merchantmachine.co.uk, which is a comparison site where you can look at the different costs oh, right. yeah. that, that different card um, um, businesses would, would charge. And so it sort of, it, you know, it compares PayPal, Shopify, Stripe, Zettle, which is the one that a lot of people yeah. use on their phone, don't they? It's like a little dongle. Yeah, little dongle. sum up as well, similar sort of idea. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and so it compares all of those. It, it starts to compare how much, uh, how much your pro, how much you process per month, how much the transaction was, and then how much it would cost you, or or how much you would get. I think that's the other way. Um, so, uh, for example, if you process ten thousand um, pounds, and that it's a thousand ten pound transactions from PayPal, you'd end up with nine thousand five hundred and sixty pounds. Um, with Zettle, you'd end up with £9,825. So it's looking at, 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 and there may be additional costs, but this is just the like-for-like comparison, which I thought was quite interesting um, because it's not often that you can see, warts and all, what what the impact's going to be. They might say, oh, it's this percentage or it's that percentage, but it's hard to gauge really what, what the difference is. Um, so yeah, the, that uh, mer- what, what did I say it was called merchant merchantmachine.co.uk and there's there's quite a lot of information on there just about different options, different payment options, different machines, providers, etc. So if you're a smaller business wanting to make sure that you're spending as little as possible on card transactions, that's probably a good place to go. I don't suppose Amazon are looking on there, are they? No, because yeah, they make their own terms, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> one would assume. Yeah. Anyway, well, I'm sure we'll hear more about Amazon and Visa's uh, uh, negotiations over the coming months. Yeah. So our review this week. Well, we're not actually reviewing a thing, are we? We're looking at a concept. Yeah, but reviewing the market. I think is reviewing how I described it. Yes, yeah, that's... having a look at the market for green stationery. So we were having to think about what is it that we use on a regular basis? And me and Heather, we love a bit of stationery, don't we? We do like a bit. And then we thought, okay, so, you know, just looking around your office now, Heather, uh, how much of the stationery in here would you class as green? Well, I don't think I'm doing terribly well. I've got post-it notes. I've got plastic pens. I've got a plastic stapler with metal staples in it. Um, The paper. Those pads, I think. Let's have is that a recycle pad? No. No. Okay. So you can you can recycle it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. And I have got a massive pile of paper for recycling. So I'm very good at the recycling bit. Probably could do better <laughs> on the green purchasing bit. Well, environmental issues are becoming 
more of a concern mm-hmm. for all companies as they're um, looking to their corporate social responsibilities. And I think looking at the office stationery is is perhaps something that you know some of the bigger companies, you know, they're looking at um, you know the bigger corporate social impact. But how much of an impact can you have with your stationery? I wonder. And um, we were wondering whether it would actually cost a lot more to to go green with your office products so we did a little bit of a a scoot around and uh, I I was really pleased because the first website I found also happened to be the website that every green and uh, socially aware website was pointing towards which was the website for the green stationery company greenstat.co.uk and uh, this company's been around for 30 years I think Wow. Um, and they've always been green. Um, they, they've been pioneering their environmental business. It's family run and it's based in Bath. And they work on the Schumacher principle that small is beautiful, uh, keeping the company's physical size as small as possible to achieve the lowest ecological footprint. But it's really interesting website because it also explains what environmentally friendly products are and what environmentally friendly stationary companies are not okay well maybe that's yeah that's the more important and so what are they not so um there's a little article on their website on their eco issues page and their about us page and they talk about um the fact that there is this push for all sizes of companies um including the British American Tobacco, Shell, Nestle, mining companies, to to really push their corporate social responsibility. And interestingly enough, on on some surveys that have been done, these big companies, uh, British American Tobacco, you know, mm-hmm. um, Shell and Nestle, turn out to be the top 10 performing companies. And it's like, Really? Real. Gosh. Yeah, and I suppose it depends how you measure it. Um, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so th- what what this website says is these companies spend a lot on environmental and social activities, yeah. but don't demonstrate social or environmental responsibility in the core of their company. So it, it's a bit like the, um, oh, I want to d- reduce my carbon footprint, so we'll do carbon offsetting. It's not quite the same so, thing, no, is no, it? No. So these, these big companies that are getting good reports for uh, CSR, actually, are they looking at the core of their business? And this is what the green stationery company do. They say they aim to have the lowest environmental um, impact possible and make all of their activities socially and ethically sound so much so that they publish the information on their business through a scheme that I'd not heard before but it's called profit through ethics oh. and it, it's where you, essentially you show that you've got nothing to hide about the whole of your business process because you make it um, transparent by publishing uh, information through this scheme um, and what I did find, and they were right here, a lot of office supply companies highlight, they show up in the searches when you're looking for green ethical stationery products, but they're just sort of like a sideline that they're doing because they're popular. Whereas this is... This company is that's sort of, that is do. their core business, yeah. 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 So I thought that was a really interesting um, thing to bear in mind. If you're looking to be green with your business, are you just, you know, 
going to you know greenify that little bit or do you want to you know make some improvements elsewhere and if you're going to really mean it do you then go for a company so that you make sure your whole supply chain is is greener and, and more socially responsible i'm not saying it's wrong to buy the recycled paper I'm just saying from that yeah. point of view they're saying what why not go for a company that is aiming to make the whole of its business it's a holistic thing rather yeah. than yeah. yeah that yeah. that you just summed up what i've just spent five minutes talking about heather yeah perfect <laughs> <laughs> not at all i I think one thing that I would say is that, so some of the ones that I looked at, no, actually, that site that you're talking about, they share a lot of information that supports the rationale. Yeah. And also highlights, and they wouldn't do this, wouldn't they, where you are likely to be back in the wrong horse in terms of thinking you're doing one thing, but greenwashed. Greenwashed, there we yeah. go, yeah. Um, but then there are a lot of other companies and I was sort of having a look and, and thinking about price comparisons etc um I remember speaking to somebody not that long ago about packaging and how things that we think might be so in particular it was some brown bags in a supermarket that they instead of having the plastic ones they have these brown ones with a film on them but she said that they appear more environmentally friendly but the impact in terms of how much water is used in manufacturing them? Oh, sorry, I keep hitting the desk. Sorry, <laughs> manufacturing um, the manufacturing process. So it's not it's not the end product per yeah. se. It's the process. So we look at it and go, well, that's brown paper. That's got to be better than a thin plastic bag. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, so you know, we might look at um, I don't know a wooden pen and think that that's better, but it. But in the production process, so it's offsetting the one against the other. Yeah, and I think, or even transport as well. So yeah. if if that wooden pencil had come from like cutting down a tree in the Amazon and it had been shipped across, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. So so I think it it's a bigger subject than that. That is a, a recycled thing. We and most of us haven't got time to go that pen or that pen. What's what's the you know we're talking about that bench that your company made where it's yeah. got a little widget on it where people can see where all QR code the, yeah. a QR code where all of the components they can see where they where all they've came come from. from and where yes. they've travelled to and, yeah like yeah. the sort of mileage of that yeah well we haven't got time to do that with our products you know you just go I need some pens and you buy them um, but do you think it's a, a like something that you would once you've done the initial research, it, it's easier. So maybe you spend a little bit of time doing some upfront research as to what are the best sort of pens or pencils to use. Yeah. I like these pencils that you when, when you've got a stub, you plant them in the ground and a plant yeah, grows from Yeah, exactly. Them. Yeah. So stuff like that. But, but my concern is, actually, unless you do that, it's a great idea... Yeah. But unless you actually do it, yeah, it's not achieving what what it's meant to achieve. So is it a gimmick? You know, and how much does it cost to make those? So I'm just being plain devil's advocate, really. But okay. I know you found some really yeah, nice. Things. I found some. Well, I thought this one would appeal to you because it's a products made out of bamboo that isn't socks. Um, <laughs> and you know, I like bamboo because I've got um, bamboo floor and I've got bamboo work surfaces at home. Um, so now I, I've got a hankering for a bamboo wireless keyboard, okay, and a bamboo wireless mouse. 
and a bamboo calculator. Obviously, solar calculator as well. So we haven't got the a batteries. Bamboo. Okay. And what sort of prices are they? So the wireless keyboard is fifty six pounds, which is is pricey compared to a keyboard. But imagine the pattern on that bamboo after you've used it for a bit. Ooh, you know, because yeah. plastic keyboards, your letters wear out after a while, yes, don't they? It goes a yeah, bit tatty. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and the mouse is twenty four pounds. Um, again, so it, it, at the cheap end of the scale, you can get a mouse for a fiver, can't you? But mm. um, we're, we're talking here something with a little bit of yes. longevity. So those bamboo and they products, look quite funky as well. They love, yeah, they look nice, don't they? Those green products, uh, sorry, bamboo products, are on the Greenstat website. And then I found this. You know, I love a notebook, Heather. Yes. There's a company called Castelli. It's an Italian company, and they make these notebooks called Appeal A double P double E L. Mm-hmm. And they're made out of um, remnants of apples. <laughs> really? Yeah, they use a blend of apple remnants and eco leather, um, and I think it's rather lovely. Um, well, and they're they all lovely colours from the cider making process, presumably. Okay, or something apple juice process. I really don't oh. know, um, but yeah, it, it's um, rather lovely. And they they wanted to make them. It's a sustainable alternative to the moleskin. So I, oh, I nice. had a quick look. They're available from quite a lot of websites. So you just have to uh, Google Castelli Appeal Notebooks. And how much are they? Are they expensive? No, I think I saw an A5 one I fancied for 15 quid. So. Oh, right. I want to feel one now to see what yeah. it feels like. And does it feel like squidgy like apple? apple. I can't imagine it does after it's been through that process. Although... The notebook pictured next to some apples does make... There's one that's a bright green. Can you see on that mm, picture there? Mm. It's a, That's described as Granny Smith. That's the Granny Smith oh. one. So all of the notebook colours are like Pink Lady and Granny Smith, whatever. So they're, they're, they're called after apple types. But, yeah. Oh, oh. You, you're looking online already, are oh, you? Oh, look! There's funky ones. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the Castelli Appeal Notebooks and the bamboo uh, keyboard, mouse and calculator. But just one last thing before we change subjects is there was a really good article on uh, jep.com, G-E-P.com. And there was an article about um, green office supplies. And it's just some ideas that I hadn't thought about. So immediately when we had this conversation about office supplies, I just thought paper, pens, pencils. Uh, And this... um, Article says, yeah, use recycled paper products, uh, eco-friendly pens and pencils, non-toxic cleaners. I hadn't thought about that yet. Uh, Staple-free staplers. I hadn't thought of that either. What do they do? Just like punch? It's like a hole punch that stitches the page together instead of using a staple. Like an embosser sort of thing? I guess so. Okay. Um, And biodegradable tapes. Um, compostable and lightweight and as well as being lightweight that means they should cut down on shipping costs apparently but i hadn't thought of those things so i just thought i would mention Mm. them as well okay so i think it's fair to say that we could all we could most of us could do better when it comes to the (laughs) yeah could do better do better like a school report isn't it yeah yeah tries hard but could do better (laughs) that was me Or doesn't try hard and will never do better. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, for our uh, profile, we we just went for a company 
um, that yeah, we're one quite, that we both like. We both rather like, um, and it's Tati Divine, rather beautiful jewelry um, that is run by, founded by Rosie Wolfenden and Harriet Vine, both of them MBE. Mm-hmm. So, have you got any Tati Divine jewelry, Heather? Uh, I have. I've had. I've had Tati Divine stuff bought for me, and I have bought Tati Divine stuff um, for for presents for people. Yeah. Um, so their their stuff is. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know how environmentally friendly some of their stuff is. That's a whole other. Well, they're using when they first started. They were using offcuts. Yes. So at yeah. least they're, they're making use of something that would have otherwise been thrown away. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good point. So they, um, yeah, they actually um, do laser, not all, but laser cut um, necklaces. So I think I've bought like feminist. I've got a friend who like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, So they. My daughter's got the one with the hammer and the uh, lightning bolt that says smack smash the patriarchy yes yeah so they are yeah they're a lot of them are quite feminist um motivated but yeah yeah they're really nice stuff but they started off on a market stall and and now there's their products are sort of known all over the place they sound like a couple of ladies who, who they had this um this attitude of um, say yes and then work out how to make it happen <laughs> yeah. um, they they um, started their market still as you said and, and the stories are different from where I've read them and how they've been paraphrased but essentially um, uh, somebody from um, Vogue was it that came to see them like this is something they had on their stall asked them what they could do and so they said yeah we can do that and then quickly had to go away and work out how to, how do, to it. do it brilliant um, i like that so I, i've paraphrased a paraphrase a paraphrase so it's yeah, a yeah. It, it's a bit shortened but i think the point i wanted to get across was they just said yeah <laughs> let, let's see how we can make this work um they both went to fine art um school at chelsea school of art and uh, they moved in together um having become Good friends at Chelsea School of Art, and uh, yeah, they've they've been going since nineteen ninety nine with Tati Divine. Um, and I, th- I think I read on their website they they had no intention of getting real jobs. I yeah. like that approach. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're running a large company, which is probably quite well. I say a large company. They. Um, they say that their their stuff is handmade. Yeah, in house. Yeah, by skilled team of makers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they say that um, addressing the whole environmental thing, they say, well, acrylic jewelry and sustainability might not go hand in hand, but um, we believe that it can because if we make things that are quality and are beautiful and timeless, um, and are made in small batches and minimise waste, then people are more likely to keep them and they're less likely to end up in landfill. So um, it, it's not that sort of disposable plastic jewellery that you get at shops, that pink shops that little girls like shopping in. Um, and that it's, they're actually, um, there's thought behind what they're doing. They're not just churning stuff out. So, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, they use, um, they use uh, recycled materials as much as possible. Uh, and they, yeah, they, it's just grown. It's just grown. 
So I, I had a quick look on their website um, and rather handily, it gives you an insight into their uh, personal lives because we do like to do a little bit of digging into the yes. person, don't we? Yeah. And the website must have known that because it was already there for me on the plate. Um, so Rosie um, lives in Isle of Wight. Um, one thing it didn't say on the website was how old they are. I felt really bad for wanting to know this. I thought, why on earth do I need to know how old they are? But I did want to know how old they are. To see how, yeah, how... When in their lives they've achieved this. Yeah, and, yeah. so um, in an article I read, um, dated from 2019, they were 42. So presumably they're now they're 44 and 45-ish. Okay. Um, yeah, so Rosie lives on the Isle of Wight, um, and she is a Bell and Sebastian super fan. Not, not a band I'm familiar with. Oh, Stuart likes Bell and Sebastian. Um, and she likes going through charity shops and dreaming up meaningful ways to help charities through jewellery. Um, the first album she bought was the Cranberries, Everybody Else Is Doing It. Um. Do you remember that one? She got it on a cassette tape. Oh, right. I remember the Cranberries. I don't remember that, that This album. is why I wanted to know how old she was. It's like, I remember that album. Um, cassette tape. Wow. Okay. Favourite biscuit? Oh, it's a bit controversial. Rose's favourite biscuit is a Jaffa cake. Is it a biscuit? Is oh. it a cake? I don't know. Um, who would play you in a film of your life? Stockard Channing. I've got to say, I don't know who that is. I know the name again. Don't can't visualise. Three things in your bag right now. Sign of the times here. Hand sanitizer, face mask and phone. <laughs> <laughs> Proves that at least this uh, material was put on the website in the last two Quite years. Quite recently, yeah. 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 Uh, Favourite artist. Um, I, I don't know many artists, but I do recognise one name in this list. Rose Wiley, Cindy Sherman, Sonia Delaunay, Grayson Perry and Agnes Varda. Um, and then on to Harriet Vine. Um, she lives in Bethnal Green. And she's she's got an Instagram famous kitten apparently called Tiger. Oh. Um, she collects oversized objets d'art from faux fruit to super sized stationery, and uh, she likes bright shiny objects. And um, the first album she brought was Three Feet High and Rising by De La Soul. No. 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 Sorry, can't help you. Favourite biscuit out of a packet is shortbread. However, this lady likes to cook and she likes to make her own. Okay. Um, who would play you in a film of your life? Um, Miranda July. I don't know who that is either. And no. suddenly feeling they, very I old know, and not quite, very I funky, know. me. Yes, yeah, well, they're clearly very funky and we're just not... Three we're things. just playing at it. Yeah. We're just playing at being funky. I, I like to believe I'm funky, but the truth of it is I really am not. Um, three things in your bag, headphones, bike lights and a propelling pencil. And uh, favourite artists, Patti Smith, Bjork, Kim Gordon, PJ Harvey, Lady Miss Keir, Jude Kelly, Gillian Waring, Cindy Sherman, Frida Kahlo and Lee Miller. At least I know a few of those anyway. And, uh, yeah, so I, th I thought that was really good. Thank you to the website for giving us that insight into their personalities because it uh, saved me having to go look elsewhere. But I did find something elsewhere about Harriet, actually. Uh, there was an article with her in Time Out when talking about London. Uh -huh. So there's quite a lot of shop um, questions about London, which I've skipped over, but some of them I've pulled out here. Uh, must visit shop in town is Neil's Yard Dairy because she loves cheese. This is Harriet. Fair enough. Cheese fan, so Neil's Yard Dairy. Biggest extravagance, cheese. Okay. <laughs> I, I noticed a theme here. Um, but you, she scrimps on black eyeliner. 
Okay. Um, she reckons that the cheap stuff's just as good or if not better than the expensive stuff. And what would you spend £10 on? Probably a new colour hair dye. Yeah, I could go with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if I, I've, this answer is one of the best answers for this type of thing. If you're going to do a supermarket sweep, what store would it be in? Any store you want. And she said, Selfridges. <laughs> oh, what a great answer. I don't think I'd have had the wherewithal to think of that. I'd have thought, oh, Waitrose. Yeah. But yeah, Selfridges. You're going to sweep your arm along the shelf of any shop. Yeah, do <laughs> that. Get yeah. in the basket. Get in the trolley. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're quirky, as we as we said, you know, funky, their stuff is, is a bit alternative. But I did see that um, the gentleman that we profiled last week, Keith Brimer-Jones, makes stuff for Tatty Divine. And um, his, uh, the mugs have got Frida Kahlo on, for example. Um, Can but- I hazard a guess that we got the idea to talk about Tatty Divine from having looked at Keith's website? No, I don't know that we did. Did we not? I don't. I don't think so. I. I think it's just a genius. They're lovely mugs, aren't they? Yeah, I like they are them. nice. But I quite like this one. There's a vase. It's um, a Tatty Divine vase gin. It's a gin bottle. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a vase. So, I love um, that. Yeah. So I, I get the feeling that they've probably met Keith Brimer Jones and that they found some quirky. Um, things in comparison, uh, in in common, and they've said, tell you what, why don't you make some stuff for us? And there he is, sitting at home, whittling them out of pottery. All on yeah, as we said last week, he, he makes, makes it all in China. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go, two ladies that, a business that I knew, but two ladies that I didn't know anything about. They sound like our kind of gals. Yeah, if, if I'm going to feel slightly... Uh, Goshen Provincial. <laughs> yeah, well, we can learn a lot from them. Yeah, Rosie Wolfenden and Harriet Vine, both MBE. We're just going to stay silent now. <laughs> we still haven't figured out what to say. Will you say something? Thank you for listening to Big Business Briefs. <laughs> That's not very good, is it? Yeah, we'll have to work on that. <laughs>